Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name is Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode. This one, we have Nicole Jacobsmeyer here. Uh, she's uh, got all sorts of stuff to talk to us about, especially around the topic of joy, and more specifically, taking back your joy when life itself has been overwhelming or has muted your joy. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about her, and then we'll jump right in and bring her into the show. Nicole is a wife to her husband, Andrew, mother of four kids, Wesley, Reed, Nate, and Maddie. Uh, She's a speaker and an author. In her book, Take Back Your Joy, Nicole shares her story of questioning God while empowering you to fight for your faith and joy in Christ. Without sugarcoating her struggles or yours, Nicole equips you in your darkest moments. She loves people, comfy clothes, chocolate chip cookies, being a mom, watching her kids play sports, writing, and a good cup of tea. And she's here with us on Grace Story uh, Podcast. Uh, Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and I love the, all that stuff is bubbly and happy. I mean, chocolate chip <laughs> cookies and sports and uh, cups of tea and writing in your journal. <laughs> and then we're going to jump right into you, your past. Uh, the joy that you yeah. have now wouldn't always have been just a given, something that's so evident. Um, and your journey is one, and especially your journey of restoration is one a story that is so amazing. So I'd like to just, and you talk about it a lot in your book, you share your struggles and your testimony, but just getting you started, where does your story begin and how does your story unfold? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And I, like I said, before we pushed play, I hate giving the enemy any credit. And so I love sharing a snippet of what I've walked through, but then Mm. always pointing people to the Lord, pointing people to the truth, because we want to, we don't want to sit in our crap. We want to get past it. We want the Lord to heal and restore and redeem. And so I grew up in a Christian home. I had a wonderful upbringing and it wasn't until my early twenties that sin and evil and pain and hardships really came into my life. And what started with Um, a really abusive, awful volleyball coach in college and having my dad share that he was living a double life and that I had a horrific event and was raped. And so this culmination of pain, the, the weight that this holds in my life, the trauma, the devastation, the confusion, the doubting of God's character and all that went into that. And then even fast forwarding just to a few years ago, I we walked through a miscarriage. We lost our first baby. We um, I was diagnosed with cancer. We moved across the country. I was solo parenting. I mean, it was it was awful. And so while all of these sound like a checklist of things that I've walked through, these pain points they they hold such weight to my story and struggle and getting from point A to all the way down to point Z and trying to figure out God's goodness and joy and mercy and grace and restoration in my life. But it took a very long time to now say that I can 
have this joy of the Lord and that he can actually be my strength. And I'm not going to sugarcoat all that, you know, anyone has walked through and what anyone, you know, is going to walk through, what I have walked through, what I will walk through. There is pain in this life, but it's so good to just talk about and, you know, hopefully get to that other side of knowing that God is our redeemer. Yeah, I, I grew up in church as well. And as you're talking, it reminds me of, uh, you know, you'd have those Wednesday night prayer meetings and people, is there anybody with a word or yeah. anybody want to <laughs> share their testimony? And I, we just got, I gotten done singing, uh, Jesus is all I need. Um, I think that was the chorus. And I remember standing up, I was like 20, 21. And I was like, I don't really understand that because I have all that I need and I haven't really struggled for anything. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what it's like to have only Jesus. Right. And some good brother in the back said, don't worry, it'll come. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> okay. Well, try. thank you for that back there. Uh, but that seems to be kind of your story, too, that you alluded to there. Growing up, you knew all the, the right things. You were going to church. You were digging into scripture, yeah. uh, I'm sure. And then just the bottom falls out. Yeah. Um, you know, I almost feel like too, with, with growing up in the church, I was just thinking about this the other day, having this desire to serve the Lord and do the right thing. And you're surrounded by Christians. You almost forget why you need a savior mm. and what you have been saved from because you're constantly just trying to do the right thing. And putting one foot in front of the other and serving and loving and, you know, trying to lead people to the Lord and going to Bible studies and Wednesday night prayer groups and all those things that you, you almost forget how desperately you need Jesus and why and what he has rescued you from and saved you from. And I think that that's a very normal thing for people who grew up in the church to think, which is sad. Yeah. Well, especially when there's that that bubble around you where yeah. it seems like everybody's thinking the same things. You're in lockstep, which is beautiful. I wouldn't trade that, but right. th there can be that side of it where you can get lost in the motions and you don't have to dig as deep maybe. Yeah. Um, and I, I know as I read, read your book, there's this part, uh, I think it was this after, after the trauma of, of being raped. Um, you said you feel like God had forsaken you. Yeah. And with that, my goodness, just like that's what Jesus said on the cross, that ultimate like God is gone. He's not yeah. here. He did not show up for me and mm -hmm. I can't trust him. That that foundation is gone. Did you ever ask God why why he allowed your life to turn out as it did? Like, oh, absolutely. did you ever ask that question? I feel like I still ask that when hard things come. And that just shows the immaturity of my faith at times, because it's so easy to know that God is in control and then say that, say that you know he's in control, say that you trust him, but then when he doesn't save you for, from something or when he doesn't heal you from something, it's like, but you could have and you didn't. And so what does that say about your love for me? Because what I think we're doing is sometimes we dumb down God to our ways are his ways. Our thoughts are his thoughts. Well, that's not true. <laughs> you know, his thoughts are higher. His ways are greater. And it's just not on the same level. And so we, we humanize him in that aspect and think, well, this is what 
the best scenario would have been, the good scenario, the abundant living, all these good things that you promised, it would have been to have that not happen. But as I dig more into the word and actual suffering and what that produces, it ultimately is what we've been praying since Wednesday night Bible studies and prayer groups of make me more like yourself, Lord, make me more like your son. And it's been through the suffering, not through the highest mountaintops, at least in my own life. So it's, it's just so difficult to wrap your mind around that and to come to terms that like that your circumstances and your pain don't negate God's love for you. Yeah. Yeah, No, that that there's a, a beautiful quote in your book uh, it says, when God doesn't act in our timing, it doesn't diminish his love for us. It also doesn't make him lose credibility or impact who he says he is. Right. I pulled yeah. that and I was like, oh, wow. Like, again, his ways are higher than mine. But that also doesn't mean I can't ask questions. You also said in your book, asking the hard questions and struggling just like you might in a marriage, hashing it out. That actually draws you closer to God. And on that, I'd say, you know, there's this part where you say you talk about not sitting in your questions, but pursuing them. Yeah. Can you talk more about what you mean about that pursuing the questions instead of sitting in them and also how that changed uh, the dynamic of your questioning to God? Yeah. Like you said, with the marriage, it's, I feel like it's similar, you know, when you have those questions, those doubts, those things that you need to bring to the table, those things you have to let out. You have to talk about it. You have to get past that and go through the brick wall, you know? And I think that it's the same with the Lord is I couldn't just sit there and open my Bible and read that he's faithful and I should trust him and that he's good when I can't figure that out in my own life because my circumstances aren't showing that. And so, but I know he's faithful and I know he's good. So I had to get to that place of being like, okay, Lord, you better help me in my unbelief. You need to help me figure this out. You need to help me take the next step. You need to help me relearn the gospel message. You need to help me figure out like when it says in Philippians 129 that suffering is a privilege. What, what does that mean? <laughs> you know. So it's like, we have to get to that point with the Lord where we have that authenticity and we respect him and we honor him, but he's the person we always go to because he's the only one that can actually heal, restore, redeem, mend our broken lives. He's the only one that can point us to the truth. And so I knew that part of working out my salvation was coming to him, not pretending I had it all together, never trying to be perfect and just like, I don't get this Lord. (laughs) Like you got to help me. You got to help me out because I was so desperate for answers And that's like part of wrestling with the Lord on those hard topics. I think some of that, and I could be wrong, but speaking for myself and what I make up about others is that sometimes it can cost us something to be authentic with others. And we can sometimes throw that onto God. Like there's going to be a cost attached 
to being authentic with you, God. So I'm just going to hide this question. I, you honor me just blindly trusting you. So I'm just going to do that. Um, and so we're trying to calculate cost versus reward of actually just having an authentic relationship with an all-knowing God who already knows our doubts. Yeah. And, and, and I think it was uh, Tiffany Brooks, she was talking about doubt, and she said, it can strike anyone. It's not a sign of weakness despite what we've been taught. Um, I, let me ask you this question. How do you respectfully uh, approach God with your questions when you are questioning him and you're, you're doubting him and you're angry? Um, because, I mean, that, that seems to be something that, w- that at least I would feel coming out of some of the things that you experienced, like, wait, wait, no, I'm doing my best and I'm trying to honor you and serve you. And here we go again. How are you respectful yeah. with that? I probably am not the best person to answer that question (laughs) because I do feel like, so with the whole, and I I won't go down a rabbit trail on this, but because I lost respect of my earthly father, Mm. that was the beginning of losing my respect and knowing that I actually had to work on that and fight for that and, and really come to the Lord for that because I was like, if my earthly father is saying, you know, that I should have been trusting him and he was unfaithful and he was this and that. And I was like, okay, now I'm putting that on God because who can I trust? And, and then after the rape, having that happen, it was like, well, now I can't trust God to save me. Mm. So I can't really trust anyone. And I don't respect anyone because I respect people that I can trust. And so it was this, just very deep spiral that I was going through. And so now all these years later, I will say that I have to come to the Lord knowing the truth of his character and what I read in the word is true. What I I have to remember all the verses, all the characteristics and go back to that because that's the only thing that can keep me in that place of, okay, you are sovereign, you are all powerful, but you are also just, and you are kind. And we will all stand before a just God on judgment day. And so every wrong will be made right. And that's not my job. And so learning to lean on, lean on God, knowing that he is just and loving for all the offenses of other people, but also all of mine. And it almost made me like, that is a huge cause for respect for in, in my mind to be able to say, okay, I, I trust this. I know this, but I also have a lot of questions still (laughs) and being honest about it because I don't know how else you come to the Lord by without, you know, knowing the word and knowing and believing the truth of who he is, but also we still have no idea what we're doing sometimes. And that's okay because we're not all knowing. We're just these little finite humans, you know, trying to figure it out and trying to love God the best we can and bring him the most glory. And that's hard. And there's going to be questions. So let's just not pretend that we have it all together anymore. <laughs> well, after hearing that response, you actually may be the perfect person to ask that question to because you've <laughs> done the, the work and tried to understand it and move through that. 
Let's camp out right there on a, on a concept you're talking about because you talk about it in your book too, understanding the character of God, pursuing that and digging deep on that. You talk a lot about understanding God's character in your book and how, I, I guess I'd ask this question, how important is that concept? Because we're talking about taking back your joy, the title of your book. How important is this concept of understanding God's character to taking back your joy? And also, how do how does one go about that, understanding God's character? Well, I think it has everything to do with taking back your joy. The knowing the word and knowing God's character is just where I always have to start. And, you know, even going through the whole cancer journey that I walked, that was very frustrating all over again because of the questions and the doubts that I had. Because here I am, I had three little boys. My husband was starting his intern year of pediatric residency. We were away from all of our family and friends. And I had to go through surgery and treatment. And who's going to be mom? And what if I don't wake up? Is that really what's best for my kids? You know, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And what does good mean? And so I just like every, (laughs) you can tell as I'm talking, like when I have a question, I got to find the answer (laughs) because it's so, I I can't just live in this like false faith. I have to go deep and make it my entire firm foundation, my entire identity. And so with the whole cancer thing, it's like, you know what? There was a lot of people telling me in the church to, you know, just count it all joy and God's going to get you through and God will never give you more than you can handle. And Mm, he works all this for good. And I'm thinking that is the worst thing to say to me (laughs) when I might not be able to wake up from surgery. And then I have three little boys left without a mom. And Mm -hmm. that just like ripped me to shreds. And so I think we have to go back to the words of what um, of what the verses say. So since I brought up Romans eight twenty eight, it's like the good of those who love him. Well, well, what is good? Mm-hmm. You know, we see what is good as prosperity, health, wealth, <laughs> financial greatness, you know, these fame, all, great. yeah, I like this. <laughs> all of these things that is good in the world's eyes, but that is not good in some people's lives, that is actually what brings them further from the Lord. And so it's a personal thing between you and God of what is actually good. What is good is being made more like Christ. And that is this, the the growth, the pain, the endurance, the suffering, the honor that we, you know, receive the honor that we give. I mean, it's just like, that is good being made more like him. But I mean, gosh, it's, you would never, I would never have thought before that the suffering was going to be what was good for me and my journey with the Lord in the long run. And it wasn't going to be all those other things. And so once I finally was able to, and I still have to tell myself this all the time, (laughs) like go back to the truth because it's so easy to look at other people and say, well, gosh, they have it all. They've never walked through anything hard, you know? And then you're like, God, really? Why are you allowing me to walk through so much? Why? And it's like, I don't know their stories. I don't know what's pushing them closer to the Lord, but I do know that being made more like him is the ultimate goal, right? And prayer 
on this side of eternity and that I can have hope knowing that he's producing in me these qualities and I can rejoice in that. And that's what ultimately brings that joy and contentment. So what I'm hearing from you is, is pursuing God. You have to actually know who he is, who you're pursuing. And then you can get down to, man, that, that is true. What is good? What is actually good for me? And that's, that's individualized. That's, yeah. that's unique and yeah, tailored and tailoring. That's, that doesn't sound fun actually in this context whatsoever. Right. Let's go right. back to that phrase you mentioned, because I, I, I always hear that, and, and I, I wonder what you think of it, that God will never give you more than you can handle. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a neat catch-all that is yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of, I don't know. Well, I won't, I won't uh, send you one way or the other. Just, what are your thoughts on the phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle? Well, first, it's not biblical, so I don't like being told things that aren't biblical. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great place to start. You know, so that's number one. I, you know, if I, I think we like to receive what makes us feel good and what makes us feel better. But sometimes what makes us feel better is not these little pat answers. And that's, that's just the Band-Aid on mm. the gaping wound. And so we need to go and actually fix the problem. We need sure. some heart surgery. And that's what I needed. And so I think when people say that, I mean, people probably mean, well, you know, they're probably just saying something to help encourage you when you are going through something hard. But the truth is, is that's not true. <laughs> and I don't think God is like, up there saying, oh, Nicole's going to go through so much crap. It's going to be awful. And, you know, hope she hope she makes it. That's not how God is. And so it goes back to that character of who he actually is and knowing that, you know what, when I am given more than I can handle, when I am given trials and tribulations and suffering and pain in my life, because this is not heaven and I know we're all longing for that, but this ain't it. And when I do go through all that, thank the Lord that I have the spirit interceding for me, that God is close, that Jesus is walking with me. Thank you, Lord, that I have that because that is the only thing that's actually going to get me through anyways and start to fix the gaping wound instead of just putting a Band-Aid on it. And that's the heart work and the transformation work that we've we've got to put in it. Yeah, I mean, if you... If you never were given more than you hand, than you could personally handle, why would you even need God? You exactly. Know, like, thank you for limiting the pressure. I got it from here. Um, yeah. <laughs> there would be no exposure of our weakness to right. make his strength perfect. So, yeah, I, I feel the same way. And, and to your point of, you know, just getting what makes us feel good. I mean, there's if we just sent everybody to hospice that came into the hospital, like, oh, yeah, your knees hurt. We've got some stuff that'll make you feel yeah. really good over here in the hospice unit. You can have as right. much morphine as you want. Like, no, we're not putting people down. There's a, a healing process that will involve pain, will involve physical therapy, but um, it's going to be worth it. That's Before right. we go too much further, um, I'd ask you this. What is the difference between joy and happiness in, in your eyes? And, yeah. and how maybe did you come to that conclusion? You know, I think happiness is just a fleeting emotion that comes and goes. And you can be happy that your kid got a good grade and that you found a sale item, you know, at the store, like the silly things, you know, things that just make you smile, whatever. But joy 
joy is this unshakable foundation, this assurance that God is with us wherever we go and whatever we go through, that he can be our joy, that his spirit, his strength is our joy and what we can, the the way that we're able to move forward in joy is because we have Christ and Christ is the joy and he is in us and dwelling inside us. And I think that is so much more, that's just so much more powerful where it just stays. You have this deep assurance and happiness just comes and goes. And I mean, I think it's great to be happy, but I think that's why it's so hard when, when people also say to just, you know, be happy and create your own happiness. And, and you have to know the difference because then you can actually look at scripture in the right lens and be able to read the verses on joy that God's not telling us to be happy when we're going through cancer, losing a baby, the worst things in life. You know, he's not telling us to, oh, be happy because you have me. That's that's not at all what he's saying. And of course, goes back to the character of God that he's so gracious and so willing to sit with us in our mourning and grief, grief and loss and all of that but that he can actually get us through. And that's where we can rejoice that he's producing in us all these qualities. Well, you're right. It's not only powerful, but I would say it's also makes it more palatable. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> count it all joy does not mean grit your teeth and smile because you're making the rest of us feel uncomfortable right. with your sorrow. <laughs> like, yes, we all have problems. Like, no, you yes. can, again, that cost of authenticity with God is there's going to be a great return on investment if you'll just be authentic and yeah. move forward in your relationship with God. Um, it, there's a, there's a concept of forget you talk, you, first of all, you touch on so much in your book. <laughs> like there is a lot just squished in there. I, I know. Um, and, and I was telling you in the pre-show, it's just dashes of scripture everywhere, which I truly appreciated. You always brought everything back to a point in the Bible scripture verses. So, um, but with that, you, you have a topic, a section on forgiveness. Um, and let me ask you what the connection for you was between forgiveness and joy. Oh, gosh. This one was the hardest chapter to talk about, but it was also the one that probably brings me the most joy. I, if Maybe I'd have to look at all of them again, but I really feel like forgiveness is the biggest one because... You know, when when you think that you are the one that gets to be the judge and who gets to serve justice and point out every wrong and make it right, like when, when we think that that's our role, the weight on our back, that burden that we are carrying, that load is so heavy and the bitterness that comes and the anger that comes and the pride that comes. Oh my goodness. I was in such a bad place because I could not forgive certain people in the past, certain men, obviously. And to get to that point of releasing that to the Lord and saying, I may never see justice on this side of eternity. I may never see it. 
And I can either kill myself trying over and over and over again to put this person in prison and to make my dad feel awful and to, you know, make all these wrongs right. Or I can give God what is his and what is his is vengeance. Vengeance is the Lord's. So I can trust that he is going to be just. I can trust that he will make all things right and that that's his job. And so when I was able to get to that point, the relief, the freedom, the joy, the peace, the lightness of the burden, I mean, it was, it, it completely changed my life. And so now while I still have to choose forgiveness almost on a weekly basis in some situations, it's always hard, you know, like forgiving wrongs. That's just, especially if it's your kids or people you love, like, it's just hard. It's a hard topic and I have to work on it weekly, if not daily, depending on the season. But once that finally has come, it's like, oh my word, the joy, the joy that forgiveness brings is unlike probably any of the other chapters, in my opinion. Well, it's interesting as I'm listening to you that the, the concept of forgiveness involved, again, understanding it for you, understanding the character of God, but not only understanding it, but trusting it. Because, yeah. yes, it, it is God's character to to be uh, a jealous God and then to have vengeance that is his. Um, and Yeah, understanding God's character you have to to trust. Uh, there's so much there, um, yeah. but with the the concepts here of of purpose and pain, is there always purpose? Do you have to have a purpose? Is there finding purpose? I mean, I know that's a loaded question, but it seems like with yeah. other people, well-meaning people that come in and like, there's going to be a purpose to this. Um, I I sometimes turn around to there can be a purpose. Yeah. But I guess it depends on what you do with it. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's, I mean, obviously the last chapter in my book is purpose and pain. And I, because I have seen, I have seen without a doubt that God has brought so much purpose in specific areas in my life because of that pain. And, but do I believe that that's always going to happen? Do I believe that I deserve God to make a purpose out of every little hard thing that I've walked through? Like it kind of goes down to this idea of our humility at the foot of the cross and realizing, okay, God is on his throne and he gets to decide this, that I'm here as just his vessel to glorify him and to lead others to him. And if that means that he's going to bring purpose in every single one of my pains, praise the Lord, <laughs> you know, but if not, I have to be okay with not seeing it on earth. And I will, I know we will see the bigger arching, like the massive story that God is doing. I know that we will see that and it will be revealed in heaven, but I don't like when people always say that it's very hard for me to, I have hope, but I don't have that much, <laughs> which is probably my own sin that I have to work on. But I always go back to Romans 8.18 that says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. Mm. And it's like, so the sufferings now, I might not 
know, I might not see, I might, it might just be this blind faith of trusting again that God is going to reveal this glory at the end. And that's what I'm working towards. And so I think we like, we like to see things now. I mean, I for sure do. I would love to see all the purpose and all the truth and everything right now. But I just don't think, I don't think that that's how it is. And I, I also think we have to be open and not have these expectations of what God is going to do and putting him in a box of how he's going to make purpose from those specific pain points in our life. Like even that is hard, you know, because we want to see, we want to see it. We want to see the fruit. We want to see why we have gone through what we have gone through. (laughs) And I think that's just going to be until the end of my days, there will still be questions like, why did you put me through this? Why did you allow this? You know, and that's just, that's just being honest. (laughs) Well, it sounds like (laughs) it's almost like a choice as to what the purpose can be. It doesn't necessarily, because people, again, they bring it in like there's gonna, in the great by and by, we'll, we'll know this more and more. And you can drive yourself nuts looking down like, oh, what are the things that this could possibly be? Um, When maybe, just maybe it's just sitting in the sorrow with God and feeling him close. Because you you want your suffering to be worth something. That's right. You want it because it's costing you a lot. Um, and you're worth so much like, so where is my return on this? Like, how do I, how do I get the return on this? And like, where's the abundant life in this? What does that abundant life look like? Um, and there's, there's on that part of maybe choosing the purpose or, or finding the purpose in pain. There was this phrase in the, in your book, and I think it might've been in the forward of stewarding your pain, stewarding the pain that you're given. Can you elaborate on that? What, did, what, what does that mean to steward your pain? I, I think more of I'm going to survive my pain, probably not steward it. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's I, I think that's our first initial reaction. Like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm not doing this. <laughs> but I think at the, at the end of the day, there are things that we can do. And it's like it doesn't have to be this checklist of like, okay, you got to read this book. You got to go to counseling. You got to do this, do that. Make sure you go to church. It's more of that personal relationship with Christ. And what is he calling you to in this season? Are you supposed to just like not talk to people and just make sure that you are in the word every day and crying every day and playing that worship song over and over and over and over again? (laughs) Or are you in a season where you need to get outside yourself and take some responsibility and go to church and serve other people and like stop focusing on yourself? Are you in a healing phase where you need to work on your health? Like whatever it is, we have to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. And then we need to do it. And that's part of that process of pain and this this working it out. And I think that it's not a, we don't have to necessarily be sitting all the time wallowing, but guess what? There might be a time to do that. You might need to just sit and, like I said, cry and be so just grieving and going through all those steps of grief and trust and learning and 
taking that next step, like that takes time and it ha- you have to be okay with that. And so I don't know, just being very in step with the spirit is how I always have to look at it. Well, and I think that is scriptural because there is, and I forget where it's found, but you know, sometimes words break down and squeak. They, they just don't do our emotions or what we're feeling or what we've been through justice. And oh. God, the Holy Spirit literally can just understand our yep. just those quiet groans and he understands yeah. them. Um, yeah. More than people that would just slap scriptures on things and like, here's the scripture band-aid of the week. Yeah. I hope you enjoy <laughs> that. Uh, but I, So what I'm hearing from you through this is taking back your joy involves shifting your focus, reframing, and pursuing God to not just be close to him, but understand him and have him know you more than you've ever been known and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Getting closer to him, understanding him, digging into the characteristics of who he is. And then I also hear you're saying not to stay alone, but you know, community can't erase all the bad things that have happened to us, but they sure can support us and find a, a way forward when everything in our life has just been overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and so, man, I, I love it. I love it. You, you give a blueprint really of taking back your joy. I love it. I mean, I still have to read it and do it for myself. <laughs> so I would give it before I ask you one more question, I would give you um, uh, an opportunity to just, where can we find more about you and uh, maybe buy your book? Uh, Cause there's a whole lot. We just tip of the iceberg, honestly, from, from what we've <laughs> talked about, there's so much more in there. Where can we find more about you and, and get your book? Yes. Yeah, so I'm, I am on Instagram with Nicole.JacobsMeyer. And then my website is kind of my hub for everything. And that's NicoleJacobsMeyer.com and books, wherever books are sold. So go snag it. And we'll put a link to all that in, in the show notes. Um, as we're coming to the end here, I do like to give our guests an opportunity to speak directly to our listeners in the Grace Story community. And if there's something that's on your heart, it's been lately that, that God has been speaking to you about, or maybe uh, talking to someone who has been right where you were and they're overwhelmed or, you know, they're like, man, yeah, I hear, I should have been concentrating on the characteristics of God. And now I feel guilty about it. And there I go, I'm a failure again. Um, or they're just, joy just seems out of reach. It's just out of reach. Talking directly to the Grace Story community, Um, what, what would you say from Nicole? Well, first I would say that I completely understand that feeling of betrayal, the feeling of loss, the feeling of being stuck, the feeling of being so depressed and burdened with sadness and unforgiveness that you just don't even, you don't even know where to go. You don't even know if God is safe to go to. And so I, f- I feel that brokenness. I feel the being the lowest of lows and complete darkness, no light at the end of the tunnel. And we have to realize that God is meeting us and he is right there with us in that darkness. That if we just look around, he is right there going to slowly guide us out. And it's not a quick fix. And I wish I could tell everyone, just follow these five steps. But the truth is, 
if you dive into the word and the Holy Spirit is guiding you, you will come out of that tunnel. You will find that light. And if you can read Romans 5, 3 through 5, that says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. God is not going to waste this pain. And we might, like we've talked about, we might not know the exact ins and outs of everything that we walk through and why and how and what's going to happen. But we can stand on the truth of the word that God is going to use this because he is not a wasteful God and he is going to produce beautiful characteristics and qualities in you because of what you're going through right now. And that is what we can hold on to. I love that. And if, if you need something to work on today, uh, as you're listening into this, besides going out and buying uh, Nicole's book, of course, <laughs> click that in the show notes and go over and get that. Um, if you need something today, sounds like digging into God's word and finding those characteristics, which again, Nicole does a great job in the book of laying those out uh, on several different pages. Here's some more characteristics. Here's some more characteristics. Concentrate on these and know God, know your heavenly father. He's trustworthy. You can trust him. Uh, well, we're out of time, but Nicole, thank you so much for coming on Grace Story Podcast and sharing with us uh, from your heart today. Thank you so much for having me, Nate. And for you, the listener, we'll be back in two weeks uh, for you. Uh, thanks so much for listening. If you are listening on the Apple Podcast app, give us a follow, tap a five-star rating, and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow and hit that notification bell to never miss an episode. Like I say every time, there is no us without you, so get engaged. Continue on your journey of restoration. We'll see you in two weeks for a new episode, and until then, we'll be praying for you.